You guys ready to get into the message today? Yeah, me too. I'm excited. Yeah. I think I heard a yeah out there. Guys, my name is Andy. I'm the lead pastor here. It's a privilege uh, to, to pastor this church. And you heard a little bit, maybe if this is your first time here, uh, about the week prior to this one or the week leading up to it. We, we as a movement of churches around the world participated in what's this thing called a fast. That means that you would deny yourself some food or you deny yourself something that you normally are engaged with that you might remind yourself, your body, your life, your soul, that Jesus is in charge. So many people went five days without food. It's crazy. It doesn't even make sense to remind yourself what you're most hungry for. Jesus said it in the New Testament that he said, when you fast, and he began to instruct his followers, implying that they would be fasting. Yet for us as American Christians, oftentimes fasting is not something we are used to. It's not a word that we talk about. It's not something that we have embraced regularly in our walk as, as followers of Jesus. But we wanted to introduce that to you and get you to participate. Raise your hand if you don't mind if you participated in some way uh, in this fast, either with the devotional guide or, or uh, yes. That's awesome. Clap your hands, you guys. That's, that's amazing. Some of you did that for the very first time. And uh, any time that you take a step of faith to encounter God in a new way, I believe that God is going to reward you. He is. He's going to show up. Maybe not in the way that you thought he was going to. But he's going to reward you. And I couldn't be more thrilled, church, about where we are and where we're heading as a young, young family of believers. I'm excited I'm in expectation, and the word of the year for us in the branding of our series right now is great faith. I'm in great faith for 2019. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I used to think that great faith was about you or me somehow standing in front of a crowd and preaching like Billy Graham, and that thousands of people would be coming forward to respond or get baptized. And I thought that was great faith. Or I, I thought great faith was, was someone laying hands on someone and miracles coming forth and just, just extraordinary uh, things happening. I thought that was great faith. And I thought great faith was, was Peter walking on water. I thought great faith was, was Jesus feeding the 5,000. And, and hear me, all those require faith, but sometimes I'd find myself almost discouraged because I thought, man, I, I'm not doing that. I don't know if I'm ever even going to get to do that. I guess great faith is something I'll never have the opportunity to really experience. But I've got great news for you. I was wrong. And I was wrong big time growing up in the church. I needed great faith. I'm gonna, let's just be transparent for a second. As a dad, you know what I need? I need a lot of faith. As a father of four, I need great faith. As someone who's trying to, you know, lead a church, you know what I need? Great faith. I need great faith as a husband. I need great faith uh, as someone who's trying to be a good neighbor in my neighborhood. 
who's trying to have great relationships. I need great faith when I'm praying for God to move or for God to do something. I need great faith to just flat out pray, period, when I don't feel like God is hearing me or God is listening or that God is even there. Because last time I checked, all of us have moments where it just doesn't feel like God is hearing anything that's coming out of your mouth. And can I get an amen? It feels that way at times, does it not? We need great faith. You might be sitting here. You might be uh, in middle school. You might be in high school. I remember schools are very different now. But I needed, I needed great faith then. School was hard. It was hard to stand for what was true and for what was right. It was difficult. I'm not going to lie to you. It was difficult to hold out on a relationship with Jesus when so few people in middle school or high school were doing the same thing. You know what we need? We need great faith. When all the voices around you in class and at your university, at your high school or your middle school or at work are all screaming something different other than what Jesus is teaching and encouraging and leading by the Holy Spirit for you to follow, you and I need great faith. And I've got great news this morning. You and I can, in fact, have it. Lots of it. Truckloads of it. You and I can have great faith. Are you ready? You ready to encounter God fresh in 2019 and to walk in great faith? I know I am. Father, be with us as we get into the word this morning. Lord, we love you. Uh, God, I'm asking for eyes and ears to be opened. And Lord, that we would take your, the, the message this, this morning and that we would do something with it. God, that faith would turn to action. Amen. Turn to Hebrews 11. Uh, we're talking about faith. There's no greater place than, than Hebrews to, to probably get a little bit of an explanation about faith. And I'm going to do my best to keep this really fresh for you. Uh, this isn't going to be dry. Uh, we're going to make this really practical for how you and I get to walk in great faith today. As you're turning there this morning, I want to also encourage you. Maybe this is your first time, and maybe you've never been a part of a, a young church or a church plant or anything like that. I want to encourage you to get involved. And it's easy to get engaged in a church or maybe attend or, or pop in, pop out kind of a thing. You know what? One of the most rewarding things that you'll ever do is see something built for God's kingdom, to stick around, to be part of it, to use your gifts and your talents. And so, so many of you ask how to get more involved, and, and you can begin by serving, you can begin by giving, you can go to a life group, you can do so many different things to get your own faith growing. But I want to invite you to take one step further in in the next couple months, to have great faith to get further involved. Hebrews 11, 1 through 4. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. It's assurance about what we do not see. I'm going to say that one more time. Faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it is assurance about, we do not, about what we do not see. Faith is about confidence, and faith is about assurance. That when you're praying for something or asking God for something, even though you don't see him with your very eyes or he doesn't come and sit down with you in your dining room chair, 
You have faith and you believe in your heart that he's real and you have an expectation that he's hearing you and that he's moving on your behalf. When you pray for your kids, there's an expectation, a faith, a confidence that God hears you, that he's moving on your behalf. Now, this is a really great explanation, but it's a little bit Webster's Dictionary, isn't it? You know, some people love to read the dictionary (laughs) I don't even get that. But nevertheless, what I love about the writer of Hebrews is he doesn't just satisfy your appetite for faith by giving you this nice clerical definition. He begins to bring it to life with real life living examples from characters in the Old Testament. We call this the heroes of the faith, the hall of fame, so to speak, here in Hebrews chapter 11. So here's what faith looks like. Here is what living by faith, having great faith, looks like. Verse 4, by faith, Abel brought God a better offering than than Cain did. This won't be on the screen, by the way. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, Noah constructed an ark. By faith, Abraham obeyed and left everything he knew in search of the promised land. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac as a sacrifice. By faith, Isaac invoked blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob blessed the sons of Joseph and worshipped even as he was about to die. By faith, Joseph prophesied about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt, that they'd be free. By faith, Moses' parents hid him even when it was against the law. By faith, Moses left Egypt, by faith, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea. You get the idea. There's these, there's this little word, by faith, and then this series of actions that come after it. By faith, this guy prayed. By, the, by faith, this guy left. By faith, this guy prophesied. By faith, dot, dot, dot. And you have all these really cool things that happen. These are like some of the coolest stories in the entire Bible. But I left one out on purpose. It's a guy by the name of Enoch. It's in verse 4. I'm going to go back to it. No, no, excuse me, it's verse 5. Some of the most famous people in the Bible are listed there. Moses, Noah, Jacob, Isaac. Moses, did I say him already? Moses. Okay, We we didn't even talk about Samson. We didn't talk about Rahab. We didn't talk about some of these incredible figures in the New Testament, yet there's another guy listed here in the hall of fame of faith, and his name is Enoch, and this is what he did. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He couldn't be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. I read this list and I get why all these people make the cut. By faith, this guy is worshiping even as he's getting ready to die. By faith, Joseph is prophesying about the freedom of the Israelites years later. By faith, Moses is leading. I I get it. Holy smokes, right? These guys are unbelievable. But this guy, I read his name, 
in this list of all the others, and I say to myself, why does he make the cut? All he did was exist, and God decided to take him before he died. And by faith, he was taken up, the Bible says. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at the life of Enoch because Enoch gives hope for you and I and every other person who's living what we would call a normal Christian life, that you and I can have great faith and be in the same company of men and women like Rahab, Samson, Moses, and Noah. And this guy has nothing extraordinary attached to his name other than the daily routine of walking with God. Check this out. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. It says in the scriptures that when Enoch had lived 65 years, my brother, this brother is 65 years old, okay? He became the father of Methuselah. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters all together. Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, then he was no more because God took him away. What did Enoch do to make the list of faith giants? This is what he did. He walked with God. Wait, 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 surely there's something more. He walked with God. I bet he was leading a church. He probably was the first church planter. Maybe he, was, maybe he gave Noah the plans for the ark, or you know, maybe he was fine-tuning or was the architect or the engineer. Nope, he wasn't any of those things. He was 65 years old when he became a dad, and after he became a dad, he decided to himself, I believe God is real, and he began to walk with him. And it was such an extraordinary walk with God that God said, man, this guy has great faith. Your time is up, son. Time to come home. And he took him. And he's listed in the hall of fame of faith with people who raised a staff and split the Red Sea. What? Why? If you've watched, like, The Prince of Egypt, anybody seen that movie? Right? The soundtrack's amazing. It's this animated scene, right, where the, where the Red Sea is splitting, and you just think to yourself, this would be amazing. And there's like fish, you know, that are like jumping in the water. You never ever think about that, right? <laughs> it's extraordinary to think about this guy is in the same company as Moses. And what did he do? He walked by faith. Hold that thought. I want you to think about walking for a second. My wife, Amy, is she's uh, helping lead kids this morning, High Point Kids. Um, if you're listening uh, this morning and uh, you serve in High Point Kids, thank you for all that you do every single week. Um, when Amy and I were dating, we had just... When, you know, I looked at Amy and I thought, mm, sh I like, I think I like her. I think I'm gonna ask her out on a date. So I showed up to her house. You got to ask her about our our first date story because I never really asked her out on a date. I called her and I just said, "Be ready at 6 p.m." Oh, I just showed up. 
<laughs> there was never a request. I basically just said, this is what we're doing. I am taking you out. Be ready by 6 p.m. Mm. So I had great faith. Oh, yeah. By faith, Andy told Amy he would take her out on a date. So I showed up. We went on a date, and we went to this place called the Yellow Porch, and we were both nervous, and, you know, she's not eating much, and I'm not eating a whole lot, and, you know, we're just, it's our first date. And, uh, but this interesting thing happened after that is I liked her, but we didn't necessarily know each other super-duper well. So I would drive over to her house. I knew when she was getting off work from working at P.F. Chang's, Sometimes she might have a little leftovers. It might have been incentive. I don't know. Okay? Don't judge me. She lived in this neighborhood called Temple Hills. She was living at her folks' house. And I wasn't trying to get anything from her. I wasn't trying to, to pressure her into anything. I would go to her house and we would talk. And there was this crazy thing that we used to do is that we would go outside and we would literally just walk around the neighborhood together we would just walk we would walk together and we would walk up and down the hills and we'd walk around and we would be you know look at that house over there or this or that or we would talk and as i as this was date what dating oftentimes even looked like for us i didn't have a whole lot of money at the time and so we would just walk around her neighborhood together and we would talk and we would dream and it's amazing when you walk with someone when you walk in unity with someone, there, there's this thing that where you're, you're not trying to get anything from them other than getting to know their heart. You're getting to know them because you value who they are more than anything else. When I'm dating this woman that, that eventually I was going to marry, it started off with me simply pursuing, wanting to know her heart and know her better. And guess what? As we begin to walk together, I discover some things. She was born in St. Louis. I was born in St. Louis. Oh, my gosh. It was meant to be. <sighs> Parents used to be in ministry in St. Louis. Oh, really? I'm a huge Cardinals fan. Oh, my gosh. My dad's a humongous baseball Cardinals fan. Really? Interesting. So it wasn't long after that that she found me at her house i didn't even invite myself over i talked to her dad she walked in the house i was sitting on the couch watching a baseball game with her pops right but here's the thing i began to value the things that she value you know what she values she loves her dad she loves her mom and because she loves her mom and dad you know what as i'm loving this woman i'm beginning to love the things that she loves i want to spend time with the people that you love my heart is beginning to shift and to change. Why? Because we are simply walking together and we are spending time with each other and I'm getting to know the heart of this woman and this woman's getting to know the heart of me. And sometimes when we talk about walking with God or relationship with God, we can make it a, a lot of, we, we can make it very complicated, can we not? I've got a neighbor, you know, that every once in a while we'll, we'll, we'll walk together. He's a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, I'll just put on my kicks, 
and, you know, there's a two-mile walk that I'll hit, and sometimes we're walking, and, you know, he doesn't come here. He's not, a, he's not a believer, but it's amazing what happens in just a short walk with someone. Talking with them, you discover things about, my father's sick, my father has cancer, can I pray for him? Yes. Uh, you learn about what they're doing at work, you learn about their marriage, you learn about their children. How is that possible? All you're doing is walking together. But when you spend time with someone and you give them one of the most prized commodities that we have, which is time, it's amazing what happens in your relationship with one another. And you need to know something that happens on my phone. Many Sundays, from a guy that's not even a believer, he doesn't even understand this. He sends me a text and he says, go get him today. <laughs> So I'm going to go get them today. I'm going to get you. <laughs> and I love that. I love it. Why? You know what? You might have children, and you're, maybe you feel like your kids are wandering, right? Or they're, 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 you know, they're drifting. One of the greatest things you can ever do. I'm not saying that there isn't a time to speak to them about right and wrong or morality, but one of the greatest things that you can ever do is simply spend time with them and get to their heart. And when we talk about great faith, the great faith of Enoch, do you know what he did? He walked with God. The scriptures tell us that Adam and Eve walked with God in the coolness of the morning, the coolness of the day. They literally were walking with God. What did they talk about? I don't know. I'm sure it was amazing. And they caught the heart of their father. The scriptures say that Abraham walked with God and he was considered the father of faith. Noah was considered one who walked with God. And he built an ark and literally all of us have, are tied to what took place because of Noah's act of obedience. To walk with God is to value him above everything else. I'll say this to you also, church, because we're in the Bible Belt and it's got to be said, time with God is not an activity that you do on Sunday morning. Okay? It's not reserved for just Sundays. Now, value Sundays because... You're encountering God, and we are spending time with God together as a family. But if you think that you are getting the intimacy that you can only find by walking with God, you walking with Him, that can only be done by you giving time to invest in knowing God the Father. It's got to be beyond Sunday morning. It's got to be. One of the ways that you, you learn what that looks like is by being part of a life group. Grabbing coffee with somebody. You say, man, I'm young on my faith. Or, or maybe I grew up going to church and I just feel like my relationship with God has slipped. One of the greatest things that you can do is get time with someone who can coach you and mentor you and begin to show you what it looks like again to be hungry in pursuit of God. one other thing that I think is worth noting. So Enoch has a cousin. 
Everybody say cousin. Enoch has a cousin, okay? And his cousin is Lamech, all right? And the eighth, the eighth descendant of Adam is on, uh, wow, okay. We're about to do Ancestry.com here for a second. You ready? So Cain and Abel are the two sons of Adam and Eve, but Cain kills Abel. And so Adam and Eve have another son. Does anybody remember what that son's name is? His name is Seth. And so now there are two sons, Cain and Seth. And one of the things that God does when he, when he is a, a, enacting a, a, the curse or a punishment consequence for Adam and Eve's sin is he lets them know that there's going to be, there's going to be two seeds and two kingdoms, so to speak, that spring forth from their line. And so you have Cain going this way and you have Seth going this way. You don't hear a whole lot about Seth. But Enoch is a descendant of Seth. And Lamech is a descendant of Cain. And they are both the eighth in line. And Enoch is famous for what? Walking with God. And he makes the list in the Hall of Fame for living with great faith. But Lamech makes the headlines as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lamech. I'm here all day. Wow, that was, that was the Lord. Okay. Genesis 4, 23 through 24. This is Lamech, and this is his legacy of his own accord. He says, I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Now, on the surface, that may not make a whole lot of sense to you, but understand that Lamech is being braggadocious about the consequences of Cain's sin in murdering his brother Abel. And so Cain is the full embodiment of that which is self-righteous, that is braggadocious, that is murderous, that is wicked, and is evil. And he is representing a kingdom that is absolutely at work in the earth. So much so that in just a few generations, God is going to say to Noah, build a dang ark because these people, I'm tired of them. My paraphrase, their wickedness has reached my ears and my eyes, and I'm going to wipe the slate clean. So understand that the wickedness of Cain's line is so great, and it is so, it's so immoral. And Lamech, the eighth in line, is the embodiment of it. And he is championing it. And he's saying to himself and to anybody who wants to hear, Psh, Cain's sin, he was punished seven times. Mine, that's worth 77 times that. Meaning whatever he got, I've done it way worse. I deserve 10 times the punishment that Cain got. Beat the chest King Kong style. So when we talk about Enoch walking by faith, the other thing that's worth mentioning and you and I understanding is that he had a lot of options here to not walk by faith, to not walk with God. There were so many ways that he could walk that were not going to be in unison with God the Father. There were so many things that he could be doing, giving his life to, giving his energy to, 
that we're not going to exalt his heavenly father. It's a time of lawlessness. It's a time of disorder and murder. Glory is sought for oneself. And in contrast, Enoch walked with God. Guess what, church? You and I are instructed to live the same way Enoch does and did. In the world that you and I live in, if we want to live with great faith and we want to live with the kind of faith, the ordinary faith that Enoch has where he is walking with God, part of it is learning to say no to sin and to temptation and walk in uprightness before God. I cannot look at my wife and say that I am walking with her. If I'm like, mm, honey, you know what? Here's what's, here's what's going to happen. I'd like to marry you. But I'd like a month out of the year to go spend with anybody else I want. How do you feel about that? You think she'd be like, yeah, sure. You know what? I do. No. She wouldn't do that at all. It wouldn't work that way. We would, we would not be walking together. There would not be a unity in our spirit. There would also not be me exalting her as the queen, right, in this marriage. You take a different example with you and God when we are walking with God. This is something we don't we don't talk about obedience as much as we need to anymore because there's this idea that if we if we tell people that this is wrong or that we can't live this way or this doesn't please God that somehow that will be labeled as hateful or somehow that you'll be the angry Christian. But I have great news for you. Boundaries are some of the most helpful things you will ever have in your life. Being told that this is not the best way is some of the best news you will ever get in your life. Being told that this is wrong is some of the greatest good news you can ever have at times. It might be painful, but oh, does it set you free. Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children... And do what? Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual morality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. If you want to walk with God, you've got to do what Enoch did, and that is spend time walking in God's presence. And you've also got to take the energy and time to walk with God in a way that you know is upright. If God is really God and God is really king and he is really the Lord of your life, then that means he gets to set the boundaries as to what this relationship looks like, what he considers right, what he considers holy, and what he does not. And he reminds us throughout the scriptures that this honors me and this does not. And if we say, mm, you know what? 
I love God, but I'm just going to do things my way. It's no surprise that we continually find ourselves walking in a way where we don't feel like we have great faith. Because our relationship with God is getting dinged and severed and dented. You with me this morning? This makes sense this morning. To walk with God is to obey God. To walk with God is to value Him above everything else. To walk with Him is to obey Him, to prize Him, to treasure Him, to consider Him holy. So this morning, as we look at 2019, We've got two choices in front of us to walk with God you may not be holding a staff and splitting the Red Sea me either but you know what you have the opportunity to do you have the opportunity to be just like Enoch and walk with God at work to walk with God at the gym to walk with God with your kids to walk with God in your marriage, to walk with God in your single life, to choose Him, to choose time with Him, to choose His ways above your ways, to choose what's right instead of what's wrong, to choose what's holy instead of what is unholy, to choose God and to walk with Him. And as we do such, you will find your faith continuing to grow because you will know the heart of your Heavenly Father. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, even as we begin this new year, we want to begin, Lord, with the right heart and the right attitude, and we want to begin, Lord, running with you. We want to have a relationship with you that is uh, that has great faith where we look at the heroes of the Bible and sometimes it can be intimidating, but Lord Enoch, he gives us hope because he's a normal guy, he's a normal father who chooses what's right against what is wrong and he chooses to walk with you and you were so pleased with him, God. You rewarded him, Lord. And Father, we are in pursuit of the same thing. We want the reward of heaven. We want the reward of more of your presence. We want to know you. We want to experience your peace. We want to experience hope. Or some of us are going through hard times. And Lord, what we need and we're asking for is peace. And Lord, we are in faith for it. Help us to walk with you now. Help us to walk upright with you now. Everyone stand to your feet this morning. Close. I'm going to just pray a blessing over you right now. In the same way that Paul would write in the New Testament, he would he'd pray a blessing over the people reading it. Or he, would, he would say that this is what I'm praying for. Right? And he would write it down. And now we, we confess those scriptures from Ephesians or from Colossians. And we get to do the same today. And this morning, my prayer for you 
in the name of Jesus is that you would grow in confidence this year, that you would grow in relationship with Jesus this year. I pray that conviction would fill your soul and that you would be determined and passionate about growing in relationship with Jesus Christ, that you would know him, that you would know him intimately, that your knowledge of him would grow, that the hope of God would grow inside of you that the peace of God would grow inside of you and that this would be, be the greatest year yet in your growth with God, that you would walk in great faith in 2019. Amen. Church, I sure love you. I'm sure thankful for you. I got a sweat going up here today, didn't I? Guys, I hope you have a great Sunday. Enjoy. I don't even know what the weather is like outside today. But you know what? Enjoy it. And we will see you next week. And keep your eyes and ears open for life groups that are launching. And if you want to go to the New Rules Conference, you can sign on the newrulesconference.com or see me after service. See you next Sunday.